Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So many of you know me to be pretty odd as an adult. There's some things about me that just make me a little strange. I don't, you know, shy away from that. I am readily willing to admit that. You're probably not surprised to also find out I was kind of strange as a child, too. Some of the things I did when I was a child are just different than what other children would have done growing up back in the 80s when I did. For instance, there was a TV show that I loved when I was a kid that uh, most kids probably weren't watching. And if you kind of came, if you were around in the 80s, you kind of know what I'm talking about. You remember the um, the movie show Siskel and Ebert? I think it was called At the Movies, and they had like the thumbs up, thumbs down they would do to uh, rate movies. I loved that show. Now, now as an adult in 2021, I don't really like movie critics. I very much still like movies. I don't really like movie critics very much. But back then, I loved Siskel and Ebert. I loved the thumbs up. I loved the thumbs down. I was sort of fascinated by the way in which they argued about movies, kind of like we argue about sports sometimes. I just liked the whole thing. And one of the guys on the show uh, since then has passed away. His name was Roger Ebert. And one of the things Roger Ebert said one time that I thought was really interesting, he said that when a movie fails, the acting in the movie is usually the last reason why in other words if you go to the movies the movie's not good there's a lot of reasons why that may be true but the acting being bad is the least likely reason he believes that a movie ends up failing that if the movie's not good it's more because the script was bad the director wasn't good whatever else and listen i don't know enough about movies to know if that's true or not but it kind of makes sense to me i i definitely think that's true when it comes to college football if you want to kind of make the comparison here for a moment that when a college football team doesn't achieve its goals you can blame the players if you want to but in the world of big time college football it's the coaches who are paid the millions of dollars it's their job to get the most out of the players so when a season kind of falls short of what it's supposed to be to me i look to the coaches and say, hey, what didn't you do to get more out of these players? Much the same way old-time movie critic says acting is the least likely reason a movie fails. To me, the players themselves are the least likely reason that a that a team would fail. If a player is good enough to be ch- uh, chosen to be a, at, at Georgia, then he's good enough to kind of you know cross the threshold of being able to get it done. But when it doesn't happen, sometimes it seems like the coaches you know, maybe they didn't do everything they could have done. Uh, you know, maybe they didn't have the the most enjoyable game plan, The you know, all, all the pieces kind of in place there. And the reason why I bring all that up is because when you go back and look at Georgia football over the course of the last couple of years, I think for a while there was kind of a disturbing trend in place for the Georgia Bulldogs. And listen, it's not pleasant to talk about this, and sometimes we kind of like to, you know, can not really pay attention to that. But it seems like for a couple of years, we had a lot of players leaving Georgia, much the same way that, go back to the Roger Ebert analogy of, hey, bad script, actors didn't get the most out of them. It almost seemed like maybe Georgia had kind of a bad play-calling script, not getting the most out of its offensive talent. Think about after the 2018 season. All the guys that left as juniors that could have come back, and in the case of McCole Hardman, you know, he gets drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs second round, and he's you know had a big-time NFL career. But a lot of the other guys that left off that team that could have returned for 2019, they didn't get drafted at all, or they got drafted relatively low. And it seems like they could have improved their draft position by staying in Georgia, but for whatever reason – 
It's just not something they wanted to do. And then you have the situation with Jake Fromm in 2019. And listen, I'm never going to pick on a guy for making a decision that he thought was best for him. But to me, it didn't speak super well of Georgia that Jake Fromm, when he could have come back to Georgia, been the starting quarterback, you would have you know presumed in 2020 and had a chance to improve his draft position, said, no, I'll go take a shot in this draft, even if I'm a late round pick. And even if I'm only a, a third uh, you know string quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, in Fromm's mind, apparently that was still better than coming back to Georgia for this past season and or, or for the season that was 2020 and as I said before I'm, I'm not going to you know dog on any Georgia player who made the decision to leave but certainly it seemed like a lot of offensive players after the 2018 season after the 2019 season looked at the situation at UGA and said uh I just don't really want to be a part of this. I either don't believe in this system getting the most out of me or believe this is a team on its way to a national championship. One way or another, it just doesn't seem all that fun or all that worthwhile to stay. And I don't take pleasure in telling you that today, but when you look at some of the stuff that happened after the course of those last couple of years, I do think you sort of take away and say, oh, you know, you know, boy, that wasn't a great endorsement of the situation at Georgia that so many juniors left this program and by doing so ended up not really being very high draft picks. They just seemed to be kind of done with their time there at Georgia. Well, if that was true, then the good news is that does not seem to be true anymore. Not at all. That that all of a sudden now there's a new crop of players at Georgia and all of a sudden now led by an offensive coordinator and Todd Munkin, there seems to be a belief wow, that this offense this year might be designed to get the most out of my talents, might be designed to get the most out of my abilities, and who knows? We may just come together and win a national championship th here this year. The level of optimism that seems to exist with some Georgia players, guys like Zamir Wider, James Cook, and others who could have moved on to the NFL draft chose not to. Boy, it really seems like there's just a new mood around the Georgia program related to all of that. And if you didn't already believe that, as a way of validating this even more, when JT Daniels the Georgia starting quarterback spoke with the reporters yesterday and boy what a refreshing you know uh, drink of water that was to kind of hear Daniels in great detail describe his feelings about the upcoming season and what his Georgia teammates feel about the upcoming season this was all really good but for me the place I want to begin and the spot that I thought in the Daniels press conference yesterday that was the most interesting was Daniels description of how many Georgia players are just buying in right now to what this offense is going to do for them this year and what they have a chance to do in this offense. Guys that had a choice to leave deciding to come back. Daniels himself, by the way, I guess would be one of these guys there as well. That clearly seems to be a theme in place for Georgia this upcoming season. Very good stuff from JT Daniels on this. Here he is. I do think there's, there, there's a lot of guys that you know, really knew what we have and the potential that we have. And uh, one, love to win. Two, love to compete. And uh, want to put themselves in as good a light as possible before they, uh, you know, before they finish their career in college and uh, head to the next level. Guys who love to win, guys who love to compete, and let's face it, you know, a lot of guys play football for money, but there is still an aspect of this that's about just the natural competitive spirit that's inside you and the fact that football at the major college level is just kind of really fun. Daniel says there are a lot of guys who are kind of driven by that, and they wanted more of this at Georgia because they also think that Georgia has a chance to get them where they want to go with their professional aspirations as well. In fact, Daniels went into even more detail about exactly how much of a theme that has been for Georgia throughout the early stages of the calendar year and the early portion the offseason as guys were doing their conditioning work and getting ready to go the notion of coming back to Georgia with a big purpose in mind apparently JT Daniels says that's something they've talked about a lot unfinished business uh run it back was the name of our our dog time 6 a.m conditioning time 
There's definitely been a level of that and that we did have a lot of guys come back and a, a lot of really good players, a lot of experienced players come back to try and, you know, make a push and make a difference in you know Georgia football this year. And listen, obviously for JT, who wants to be a first-round pick in next year's NFL draft, and guys like Zamir White, James Cook, and many of these wide receivers who have you know big-time offensive linemen there as well, who have you know big-time pro aspirations, that's a part of this. It's their audition for those NFL scouts who will clearly be watching them closely. But as I've told you all before, one of the cool things that I think about major college football right now is the way that individual goals and team goals seem to be fairly closely aligned. The teams that have the most high draft picks, first-round picks, things like that, also seem to be doing really well on the field as well. The LSUs, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, multiple first-round picks also leading to national championships. And with Georgia, that idea not lost on JT Daniels either. Guys who had choices to go to the NFL this year, decided not to, come back to Georgia, who want to show what they're all about in an offense they think that's going to get the most out of them. And obviously the eventual byproduct to that could be the kind of team success the national championship that Georgia fans have been craving now for such a long time. For those championship-starved Georgia fans, you'll love these words from JT Daniels for sure. There's no denying that you want to win a natty. I, I think we have the team to do it. Absolutely, it's a great team. Uh, I think we've done, and Coach Smart's done a really good job of instilling uh, a team standard and team DNA that a lot of the guys have really taken accustomed to. There, there's a lot of good things going for the team. There's just things we got to focus on, things we got to develop because we, we have the team, uh, you know, to do whatever we want. Let me see if I can sum this up this way. There is no doubt that what Georgia is trying to do, be as good offensively as you need to be to keep pace with the most with the best, most high-powered offense in the country, there is no doubt that's an incredibly difficult task. And as Daniel said, and I added this part of that last quote out just for you know sake of time, um, there is no doubt that you know losing George Pickens makes that a little bit more difficult. Not impossible, though, just a little bit more difficult. But while we acknowledge on the one hand that it's really hard to be as good offensively as you need to be to be as good as the very best teams in the country, I think we also need to be paying very close attention to something that a very interesting transition seems to be occurring with Georgia. This last season, especially in the second half of last season, once I believe the Todd Munkin system kind of got more firmly entrenched at Georgia, and certainly Daniels when he emerged as a starting quarterback, I think the the personality of this program evolved, and I think offense became a bigger part of this than it had ever been before in terms of the way in which folks thought about Georgia football prior to the arrival of Todd Munkin and the emergence of JT Daniels. This team's still got a long way to go as as far as being as good as it wants to be, but the process towards getting there, I believe, began last year. This is a more fun team to watch now than it's been in the past. I think it's a more fun team to play for than it maybe it's been in the past. I think the fact that guys chose to come back for the 2021 season, JT Daniels included, I think is the evidence you need to support that. And that fun, entertaining brand of football, high scoring, getting in the end zone, that has been a recipe for national championship success for many teams over the last few years. And who knows, maybe Daniels turns out to be right and true. And here in 2021, that also could be a recipe for UGA as well. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Great to have you with us. Video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref Podcast, all those platforms there as well, including posting the show each and every day at the worldfamousdognation.com. For those of you that share your comments there to be a part of our podcast cooldown at the end of the show, we certainly appreciate that, and we appreciate our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort for making all this possible. 
Uh, I told our video audience before we began today, the weather right now is just gorgeous. What a great, great time to be here in the state of Georgia around the southeast. And if you're in the Atlanta area where I am, don't forget, just a two-hour drive right now. Uh, both the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort properties, the original Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, Harris Cherokee Valley River, all the great amenities, whether it be the socially distanced gaming floor, the the gourmet restaurants, the world-class spa, luxury shopping. As I've been telling you, the book is now open, sports gaming there now in the mountains of Western North Carolina. A lot of folks enjoying that for the uh, NCAA tournament over the course of the last few weeks. Of course, you know, getting your action down on the uh, big golf tournament in Augusta this weekend too. All kinds of great opportunities for you to do that right there at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, the book sports book. So to find out more about this and just kind of how you can book your travel and enjoy a great weekend getaway or however long you want to stay, go to the website caesars.com Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee for a whole lot more on that. Big day from JT Daniel yesterday in terms of talking about his goals for the upcoming season. We'll talk to Mike Griffith some more about that coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse here today. And I want to go back to something. I know I've talked about this a few times, but I really did take a lot from something that former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards said on our show a couple of weeks ago about the value that can exist for a team when your vocal leader, the guy that everybody looks to, is the position that we most commonly think about when it comes to leadership, and that's your quarterback. We just heard some really cool words from JT Daniels. Terrence Edwards thinks that JT Daniels has a chance to really capitalize on a leadership platform uh, this year, and the great former Georgia wide receiver, when he was here on Dog Nation Daily, uh, a couple of weeks ago, talked about how much Georgia can be in a better position because of the leadership that he believes that Daniels can provide. Great reminder on the basis of what we heard from Daniels yesterday. Here is Terrence Edwards. It's just different when your quarterback is a leader. It just hits a little different when everyone believes that if the chips get down, we have a guy that can lead us. I mean, just prime example, Tom Brady went to the buck. And his, just his leadership, even though he was there one year, he's still Tom Brady. And he brings a wealth of leadership and experience that the team rallied behind and believed in. And when you have a team that believes in your quarterback and believes in his play, it, it both and, and provides a different type of energy that the team would carry on to the game. When the times get tough, they believe that this guy can lead us. I think that's great from Terrence Edwards. I think he's probably right about that. And here's the thing that I've also said before, that – you know, sometimes in sports, leadership is simply a product of seniority. You know, think about the aging veteran sitting on the bench for an NBA team who's there because he's a good locker room guy or the backup catcher on a major league baseball team who knows how to manage that pitching staff and knows how to, you know, keep everybody from getting a little too nervous. Sometimes in sports, leadership is just a function of seniority. But in football, I don't really think that's the case. I think that leadership is really a product of competency. Have you proven your ability to kind of master the situation on the field? And if you have, given the fact that football is a violent game where you're putting your own health and safety on the line and really at the you know, have forced to trust your teammates in terms of kind of keeping you safe on a football field. I think it takes competency to earn leadership stripe. Leadership credentials, I think, are based on what you can prove on the field. And that's why something in a lot of what Terrence Edwards said there, something that Kirby Smart also said this week is so interesting that in terms of why JT Daniels may be becoming a leader, it's because of the poise and confidence that he's showing and getting his day job done. Being the quarterback that functions in this offense and and runs that the way that it's supposed to, it certainly seems like from Kirby Smart's perspective, one of the reasons why folks are willing to trust JT as a leader is because Daniels seems to know what he's doing with the ball in the hand 
in the huddle to the extent that Georgia huddles and, you know, certainly in, in these offensive meetings that the command that Daniels has over the Georgia offense is one of the ways in which that he now has the credibility to be the leader that Terrence Edwards says good quarterbacks need to be. Here is Kirby Smart. JT's always been about his business. That's, that's JT. JT's very serious. Uh, he's very into it. He has growth he can go through. And for him, continuity is important. And, you know, we haven't had great continuity with this back out, that receiver out, he's out. So we've been ping-ponging guys around. That, that, that That's always tough. But I think he's asserted himself more in terms of command of the offense, get the signal, get the call, hurry up, let's go. Oh, we're too late for this motion. we gotta, we got to get into the call. There's a lot of things that help you feel comfortable uh, in terms of being able to call plays. It's an offensive coordinator. He understands those things and does a good job. So good stuff from Kirby. And here's the thing I think I think that's really interesting about JT Daniels. You know, you want your quarterback to have a certain degree of swagger. You want there to be – I love the phrase that sometimes analysts use, athletic arrogance, you know, the idea of self-confidence. You believe you have the capability of getting that done. There's a certain degree of that you want from a quarterback. But when it comes to, you know, fitting in, in a locker room and being a good teammate, being a, a guy that other people want to you know spend time around, it can't all be swagger, right? It can't all be athletic arrogance because at a certain point in time, people have a tendency to tune that out. You want there to be a kind of a parallel track of humility to go along with uh, a healthy dose of, you know, self-confidence and belief in yourself. You want there to be both. And I think the JT Daniels does a a pretty good job of demonstrating both because on the theme of this, Terrence Edwards says, I want my quarterback to be a leader. I think JT Daniels can. Kirby Smart explaining the way in which Daniels has asserted himself more as a leader. When Daniels in the press conference, we've already played clips from from yesterday, when he was asked directly about how he feels about his own leadership, instead of taking a whole bunch of time to brag on himself, really mentioned himself in the category of other Georgia players who he also views as being leaders. Another example of what I said before of, you know, self-confidence paired with humility. Certainly Daniels on the topic of leadership uh, kind of displays this when he kind of, you know, puts himself in a category of guys he also views to be leaders on this Georgia team. It's, it's something we talk about a lot as a team is that everybody on the team is a leader, uh, whether you're just joining your walk-on or, your Jamari Salyer or your, uh, you know, your Lewis or your Speed or any of them. Um, I think obviously your role expands uh, the more you play um, and you just have a bigger platform in that area. But I think since I've been here, I've always uh, tried to take the approach of first leading by example. Then once I think you earn a certain level of uh, trust in your teammates from them seeing how you work and knowing that you're here for them, that uh, you can start being more vocal and doing more things. I mean, listen, when you hear the Daniel stuff from yesterday and some of the things that other players have said about him and what Kirby Smart has said, it is just really, really nice to know that everybody's kind of saying the right stuff right now. Daniel's tone, I think, is almost perfect for what you want a quarterback to be. The other players and talking talking about this kind of stuff are also saying the right things. And yes, I know, you know, I have that healthy dose of cynicism in me. Many of you have that in you that, well, this can be faked, right? And you can you can pretend to believe all the things that you're saying, but not actually live that out and not actually show up and work every day with all that kind of stuff in mind. That's certainly possible. But let's face it, there are some players, some programs that can't even find a way to fake it right now, can't even find a way to, to kind of conjure up the feelings that, that JT was able to yesterday. So I'm going to take it to mean something, even if it's not in and of itself proof this team is heading towards its final destination. JT is certainly not afraid to to acknowledge what that final destination is supposed to be, use the phrase national championship out loud yesterday, and he seems to be want to want to be a leader towards 
getting that done. I think it was all really nice to hear a great press conference. Fun day for Georgia uh, yesterday with JT Daniels stepping up to speak to reporters. We'll talk to Mike Griffith about this coming up in a moment. Uh, there in Athens is where Mike is. Before that, though, speaking of Athens, boy, what a hot real estate market the Athens area is right now. Many of you are aware of that. And as someone in myself who kind of likes to study the uh, real estate market, one of the things I always kind of think about is, you know, the Athens market is almost different than any other market in the state of Georgia. Many of you want to be there, whether it's as an investment you know, property owner, obviously a lot of college kids kind of coming in and around that uh, town all the time, or you want your own kind of like game day condo thing, something along those lines, or you just want to live there, retire there, something like that. Well, when you get involved in the Athens real estate market, you want an expert, local expert who knows that market uh, there to do that for you. That's what Five Market Realty is going to be able to do uh, for you. They're helping you move to Athens, become an investor there in Athens, retire, whatever you all uh, want to do. Game day condo, the uh, whole thing there. They are a, t- a 2021 Bulldog 100 list. So you're doing business with good dog uh, folks. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we love recommending Five Market Realty. Uh, they're just really fun to uh, you know be with fellow dog fans. All of it really, really good. So check out this website, 5mrealty.com. 5mrealty.com. That's going to connect you with a local real estate expert right there in the Athens area. So for your investment property, your retirement property, or your just new home, you want to move and raise your kids and family there in the Athens area. Five Market Realty, the uh, real estate experts to trust there in the Athens community. It's great to have you with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Before we're done, new developments in the saga of a Rick Gilbert. We'll tell you about that on the program here today. But for now, on everything for Georgia Spring Practice, heading towards G-Day next Saturday, let's talk to Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Mike Griffith here, obviously doing a great job covering Georgia spring practice as it rolls on from the city of Athens. And he joins us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort today. And Mike, I played a lot of audio from JT Daniels press conference yesterday before you joined us. And listen, as I acknowledge to the cynics out there, and I think we all have a tendency to be a little cynical from time to time. I try not to be, but every now and then I am. You know, it would be easy to disregard it and say, well, obviously, you know, talk is cheap this time of year, blah, 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 blah. The fact of the matter is, when you step up, speak as articulately as Daniels did yesterday, when you point clear leadership in the direction of where Georgia wants to go, national championship, those words do mean something to me yesterday. I think that Daniels is a refreshing breath air, you know, a refreshing breath of air, is that what I'm trying to say, uh, when it comes to, you know, really all of the notes that he kind of touches on strikes in a press conference like this. I really enjoyed hearing from him, and frankly, hearing from JT makes me more excited about the upcoming season. What did you think of the quarterback getting a chance to talk yesterday yeah I, everything you just said you know I, I thought he sounded really good I, I think he's authentic i think he's a legit leader uh i posted a story this morning about uh, about everything you said putting it in context as far as the the leadership the compassion the teamwork uh you know that that's who he is i mean this is a guy that i think has vastly been overlooked and underrated um, I don't think people really stop and think about it. You know, he played his freshman year at Southern California when he should have been a senior in high school. That's a lot. And, and Southern Cal only went 500, and I think because of that, a lot of people might have overlooked JT or, or forgotten all about him. He would have been number one in his own class. As it was, he was only rated behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in the class he came out in. Uh, and now that he's come back from the knee, 
I think he showed great leadership last year, waiting his time patiently, being supportive of Stetson Bennett and Dwan Mathis, even as he was relegated to the scout team. Uh, and now that it's his team, I think that he's asserting himself well, and you can see why Kirby Smart has delegated so much authority to him. Well, I think if you say that you think he's been overlooked a little bit, I think if that is true, Mike, to me that's all based on the fact that while there's plenty of reason to be optimistic about Daniels and plenty of reason to be optimistic about year two of Todd Munkin, they are also working together in the midst of what is a pretty substantial transformation because, you know, Georgia, you know, last couple of years, you know, prior to their arrival was not an offensive juggernaut. This was a very good team, but if you want to compare Georgia to the very best offense in the country, that comparison does Georgia no favors. And so, you know, I, I do think being a little skeptical of, well, it certainly seems like things are going the right direction, but can they really put it together for a full season, especially in light of the George Pickens injury? If there is any you know, doubting of Daniels or doubting of this Georgia offense. I mean, I think it's probably based on the track record of what happened before they arrived here that, that now Daniels and Munkin have to answer for. Isn't that right? Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I think there's some skepticism of if Kirby will let the offense go. But, you know, Georgia's also had one of the best defenses in the country, and, and therefore, you know, they, they didn't necessarily have to try to, to play that style. I mean, part of what comes with amplified play count and more of an open attack is uh, is less defense because you put your defense out there for more plays and you risk more turnovers and play less field position football. Uh, I do think, though, because George is reloading defensively, I think Kirby realizes that it's going to take more offense. And uh, I think he does have trust in JT and, and Todd Munkin based on the fact that JT is the highest-rated quarterback uh, coming back in the SEC based on the last four games of last year. And I guess if you want to be skeptical of the competition, Mississippi State, Missouri, uh, I thought Cincinnati was a legit top 10 defense, but some still wonder. Um, you know, of course, Vanderbilt was a no-show, so we can't count them. But, you know, if you want to be skeptical of the competition and the numbers he put up, I, I think you could. But still, it was a 400-yard passing performance in his audition. And without JT Daniels, they lose that football game. And they may lose a bowl game. Uh, without JT Daniels, Georgia may well have finished six and four last year. Yeah, and the other thing I think is interesting about this, Mike, is, and we talked about this in the show a couple of weeks ago when Smart first spoke about it, and you know, getting a chance to have Daniels on display in front of the media yesterday. Another example of this by treating Daniels like the starting quarterback, he obviously is, but sometimes it's been Smart's prerogative kind of not to treat his quarterbacks that way. I think it only makes it even, you know more comfortable to have the spotlight on you, give you more of a mantle for leadership and, you know, frankly, you know, more of a responsibility to say the success of this season is going to be determined by how well we develop this guy, how well we build an offense around him. I mean, the other thing that I like about all of this is the fact that Daniels is being treated like the starting quarterback, especially since it's obviously true. It just makes sense to do it that way. But this to me is also kind of a refreshing change uh, from Georgia, given the way, given the fact that that's not always the way things have been done in regards to that. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, but, but I also think that, you know, because of the way Justin Fields came in and, and, and the demands that he be given an equal shot, that, that I don't think that they could just hand it to Jake Fromm, and so they didn't. And to your point, uh, he never named Jake Fromm the starter at, uh, going into 2018 or at any other point of that year. Every year, every week, uh, Kirby said there was a competition. Now, 2019, I don't think anybody needed to say anything. I don't think anybody thought Stetson Bennett was competing, so... It was kind of a moot point in 2019. Uh, but then last year, 
once again, it was up for grabs, right? Uh, you wanted to make sure that Juan Mathis had a fair opportunity to win the job, which he did in fall camp. However, uh, the offense was better with Stetson Bennett in there. I think we saw that against Arkansas, and then Stetson kind of took him as far as he could uh, before he got injured his shoulder, and then he wasn't able to practice. And so JT kind of got the job by, uh, I don't want to say by default, but you know it wasn't like JT beat out Stetson Bennett. Stetson hurt his shoulder. JT couldn't throw that week. JT came in and and had a, a wonderful performance against Mississippi State. So uh, it, there have been some extenuating circumstances. I don't think he could have named Jake Fromm the starter over Justin Fields and held the promise that he made to Fields when he came in to allow him to compete every week. So to your point, and I think you were the first one that noted it when Kirby named him starter, this named JT the starter, I think this is a different situation, and I think every year is a little different. And I also agree with you that it makes it easier for JT to lead because he has only been on campus less than a year. I think the addition of Tyke Smith is a big thing for Georgia, Mike. Now, it doesn't solve all the issues in the secondary. You've still got to figure out, you know, to use an overused phrase, lockdown corner, things like that. That's not exactly what Tyke is going to be, uh, more of a guy covering over the middle. But I do think the presence of a, you know, whether you want to call him a nickelback star or a safety, whatever you want to say he is, a guy who played at an All-American level at West Virginia, I think makes the job of whoever's on the field with him at Georgia now easier to me, it's clearly this is a need for Georgia. Kirby Smart has done nothing to to downplay the the significance of the need for help in the secondary for that group to kind of step up and replace some pretty big time guys who are no longer here. And I think going out and bringing in Tyke Smith's a really bold move. Um, I think it's exciting for UGA. What do you make of the Smith situation? Yeah, I agree with you, BA. I think it's needed. I think it's warranted. I think it's important. Um, you know, the fact that Mark Webb is moving on as well as Tyreek Stevenson transferring to Miami, uh, that leaves an opening there. And we're, I think we're still going to see Adam Anderson play there some. I think, you know, Kirby likes and Kirby and Lanning both like to play a lot of package football. And against some teams, I just don't think you can put Adam Anderson on there if they can stretch out there too much. Uh, and that's where a guy like Tyke comes in. Now, I'm going to temper my expectations a little bit. I think he's a very good player, but I think being an honorable All-American uh, at West Virginia is different than being an honorable All-American at a place you know where you, where you had to go through Florida and Alabama last year. So uh, I think he'll be solid. I think he'll be good. Uh, I think he'll fit in. I think the competition is increased. But but honestly, I'm just as excited about Christopher Smith and the games that he's made in the offseason. I just posted a story on that. So I think the secondary all the way around is getting a pick-me-up. And again, to your point, I still think they need another corner through the portal. Yeah, so I oh, – okay, so let me do that. I, I want to do two things you just said there. So so you think that there's a chance that Georgia's not done in the transfer portal as of yet. Uh, obviously, this echoes what a lot of fans have kind of been speculating out loud about, but but it sounds like you don't think Tyke Smith is the last big-time transfer Georgia adds before they get ready to go to bat for the 2021 season. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if that were the case. I think they absolutely have to add a corner. 
Yeah, I mean, I certainly would would certainly welcome that. And, you know, whether it's, you know, giving some of the guys who are here a chance, I'm also kind of okay with that too. But obviously I, I don't think, given the fact that Georgia's got the scholarships available, I don't think the arrival of Ty Key necessarily means that Georgia can't go out and add somebody else there when it comes to that situation there as well. I uh, think that is uh, certainly very interesting. But on the subject of Christopher Smith for a second, Mike, you know, when Christopher uh, first signed with Georgia, like I interviewed him like – in December of that year and he's you know great young man to interview even back there as a a high school player and you know you kind of talked to him for there a little bit and then a few weeks later I saw him again this is like January like right after he enrolled at Georgia he came to Atlanta to receive a high school award and just that few weeks time it seems like he you know he had added some weight he'd been clearly working out hard and that's kind of like before he got to Georgia on his own he was clearly as eager as he could be to kind of you know mass up and you know get some muscle on him before he arrived at Georgia because he knew that was something that he really needed to do and you know to me to, to, to talk to Christopher you know a couple of times during that time and how how committed he was to to competing once he got at Georgia the fact that he had some success on the field a year ago and the fact that you know he feels like he's in a position to lead for this team here this upcoming year in that safety spot that's not a surprise to me just given the I don't know, Mike, just the tenacity that he sort of approached his arrival to Georgia at based on, you know, a couple of times I got a chance to talk to him. Yeah, I'd agree with you, B.A., you know, and, and let's be honest, you know, when you're sitting behind Richard LeCount not getting to play much, it's really hard hard to keep your edge. And I know they say, oh, you got to be ready, but it, it's really hard to go all out when you know you're not going to play that much. And, and he really didn't play that much. But, you know, last year, those last five games of the season, I think we all saw that he was a little too I think he was a step too slow. I don't think he was as sharp as he could be, and uh, and I think that and I think he took that personal this off season because he realizes, hey, the job's his for the taking, and he looks like a different guy. So I know what you're saying. You know, he had that original burst, you know, coming out where he wants to go to Georgia Ready. Okay, well he goes to Georgia Ready, and ah, uh, well you're backup. You know, but this off season, uh, he's taking it to heart. I mean, he looked really good. He sounded good. I liked what he said about welcoming the competition from Tyke Smith, how it's going to push everybody to you know, become better, even Tyke, you know, and, and welcoming to the family. I mean, Christopher Smith sounds like a leader. He sounds like someone who knows his time has come, and I'm eager to see uh, the improvements from him on the field. Uh, I think the secondary in general has gotten a really uh, a good lift this offseason from the addition of Jamal Adai and Will Muschamp, and a recharged Kirby Smart. I'm just sensing a lot of energy. They're hearing great things about Jalen Kimber. You know, Keeley may not be ready to go, but it sounds like Kimber is another guy that needs to add weight, who knows his assignments, a top 10 player out of Texas. Don't think we've talked enough about him either. So let me just kind of open this up more broadly before we let you go here. What else is on your mind related to spring practice? You know, one of the things I've talked about, I think, a lot on yesterday's show is I think the unanswered questions around the offensive line are a pretty big deal. Now, I don't necessarily think it's heading towards some sort of calamity, some sort of bad thing for Georgia necessarily, but I, I, I do think the the unsettled situation at left tackle, you know, center, I guess, probably there as well. I, I do think those are issues worth paying attention to. I've told people that I think the most interesting moment of G-Day will be seeing who kind of comes out there starting five for that, you know, what you think of as the first team offense to uh, begin the game. I'm very curious about that. And, 
you know, we'll see how that evolves again as you head towards you know, and through the summer. But, you know, for me, offensive line's pretty top of mind right now. In addition to that, what else are you thinking about here as spring practice? Really now, only a few practices left before G-Day next Saturday. As it gets ready to wind down, what else is on your mind? Yeah, you know, I'm with you on the offensive line. It's kind of it's on my mind, but it's not a big concern. You know, obviously receivers emerging. We've heard about Justin, uh, you know, Robinson and, and what he's been able to do. I think uh, some of those freshmen are talented, but really don't know enough about the offense where there'll be much factors uh, not anytime soon. I'm still curious about the running back race, B.A., because I've talked to some people that were at the game uh, at the scrimmage, and they say it's just evident that Kendall Milton is the best runner now. Del McGee says he'll start the guy that's the best, but I go back to when he started Elijah Holyfield over DeAndre Swift, and I'm just not convinced anybody's going to start but Samir White. I think that's Dell's guy, and even if Kendall is clear-cut better, I think Dell's going to go with Samir because I think he loves Samir. Uh, Samir's put a lot of work in. Uh, I'm hearing Samir's improved on his uh, receiving. I, I know JT talked about that. Uh, Zamir came back for another year. So that's really intriguing to me to see if, if the best guy starts or if the loyalty and the experience wins out like it did with Elijah Holyfield over Swift. Uh, and also wonder about James Cook's role. Uh, now, Cook is going to be very involved, but with Pickens going out, you heard Kirby say they were going to spread it out. Man, I think James Cook could end up being the biggest benefactor, and, and I'll be curious to see how they use him. I know they, they've lined him up in the slot before, but could we see more of James Cook lined up in the slot, and less of James Cook at tailback. And, and then one other curiosity, uh, Dejon Edwards wasn't out there. I haven't heard anybody mention that, but that's something, you know, I don't want to say you dig into because medical records and injuries are private, but that's certainly something that we should probably ask Kirby about. Problem is now you only get one question with his Zoom, and uh, you better make your one question count, and then it's on to the next guy, but... That hasn't come up yet. I'd like to find out the status of Dejan right now. Yeah, that's interesting. I wasn't aware of that. So um, I guess that is worth kind of paying attention to there a little bit. Um, but to go back to what you said about Kendall Milton and, uh, and, and Zamir White a moment ago, do you really think that, that Del McGee and Kirby Smart would play White over Milton if, if, if Milton, as you describe it, was the better player, that they would play White instead out of a sense of loyalty? I have a hard time putting that on, on Del McGee and Kirby Smart, believing they would do it that way if that is indeed the case. Well, they did last year. You know, Milton looked better last year, and so did Kenny McIntosh, and the metrics told you that. But What metrics were those now? I'm sorry, what metrics were those? Uh, yeah, the metric that showed that Kenny McIntosh led the uh, SEC in broken tackle rate, and the metric that showed that um, James Cook was the most explosive running back in the, uh, in the SEC as well on PFF. Uh, I did a couple articles on that. But to Zamir's, to, to Zamir's credit, he was a guy that could, you know, pass block better than the others. Uh, he was a guy that was more familiar with the playbook, but there were times in short yardage where he was stopped uh, against Tennessee at the goal line on a fourth down carry. I thought Kendall Milton, B.A., was better when he was healthy last year as a runner. Uh, this year, I think Kendall, with the benefit of spring, will definitely be better. And, and I do think that based on what happened with Elijah Holyfield starting over DeAndre Swift, I do think there's something to be said for coaches that like to go with older, more experienced players. This isn't the only place I've seen that happen. 
Well, just to be clear, though, about 2018, the beginning of the season, DeAndre Swift was hurt. You'll remember Kirby Smart, you know, eventually acknowledged that he had the hernia surgery. And even if Holyfield was the player on the first snap of the game in 2018, certainly by the time that Swift was healthy by the end of the year, he was getting no shortage of carry. So, I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, it's not the full story to say that Holyfield started over Swift because by the time that Swift was healthy, he was getting plenty of carries. And I guess my point on this is, is that if Kendall Miller Milton is as deserving as many carries as what DeAndre Swift got in 2018. Don't you think the Georgia coaches will give that to him? Time will tell. I, I, I think that's a very uh, interesting th- thing to say about Del McGee and Kirby Smart. Both they would intentionally play. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about Kirby Smart. He doesn't control that. Dell controls the substitutions at running back. So you think that Kirby Smart is powerless to, to – I mean, it's just putting a lot on the coaches to say they would intentionally not play a player that was that was better than somebody else out of some sort of sense of loyalty. That's putting a lot on them, Mike. I just want to make sure we're careful about that. I, well, I think, it's, I think it's safe to say that nobody's perfect. I, I don't think the best players always play. I do think loyalty and experience plays into coaching decisions. Uh, if your running back can't block properly, you don't have a lot of trust in him back there. But one thing, like I said, you're asking me what I'm, I'm seeing and hearing, sure. and I'm hearing that Kendall Milton is a level above Zamir White right now, and I'm curious to find out if that will equate to a starting position in the fall. I don't think Zamir came back to be a backup, and I do think there's something to be said uh, for how much Georgia put into recruiting him and how hard he worked to get back. But I do think Kendall Milton is a better running back than Zamir White. That's where this conversation is intended to go. Uh, now, again, it, to your point, who starts and all that, um, you know, DeAndre Swift was healthy at the start of 2018. He aggravated the, the groin against um, Middle Tennessee, and that's when he came out after just three or four carries. But he was healthy at the start of the season, and, and Elijah started over him. And if you look at the track record, um, they like to start guys with seniority. Again, that's, that's nothing new, and that happens other places. But I think when you've got a talent like Kendall Milton – uh, I think you've got to turn him loose because I do believe he's better than Samir White, and I think most people that have watched this closely uh, would probably agree that he's a better running back with the ball in his hands. All right. Well, I certainly appreciate your candor as per usual, Mike. We'll look forward to reading a bunch from you at com, and I thank you for being here on the program here today. Thanks, B.A. I appreciate it, man. Have you- take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through so a few things on this first of all i just think it's factually untrue to say that deandre swift was healthy at the beginning of 2018 he was only getting you know small handful of carries in those early season games he was ahead of elijah holyfield on the depth chart the previous year so i i don't know that i necessarily agree with the uh with the facts in that particular case and listen you can be excited about kendall milton obviously on this show we are you can be excited about kendall milton without turning it in some sort of you know running back controversy that somehow you know Del McGee is going to be a blind loyalist to uh, someone Zamir White who's been in the program a little bit longer I mean I think just given Del McGee's track record as a uh, Georgia's running backs coach he, he I would suggest he deserves a little bit more of the uh, benefit of the doubt uh, than that especially on the evaluation of you know someone else's eyewitness account of what happened during a scrimmage but obviously you know um Mike's got a right to his opinion however he wants to express that there. That's just kind of my take on all of that. Hey, before we do our SEC through, and as I said before, interesting news on a Rick Gilbert, uh, at least new twist in that rumor 
Uh, we'll do some of that with you here in just a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you, my friends at Palo Window and Door of George, they can help equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. Makes your house feel better on the inside. The energy stays where it's supposed to be. Makes your house look better on the outside. Pella's got a national reputation, but they're also a family-owned local branch right here in Georgia, which means you get great service, and you get a great deal right now there as uh, well. Uh, you can currently get 10% off your entire project or 0% APR for 24 months. Also really easy to get in touch with. A couple ways to do so. 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Or PellaofGA.com slash dog nation. PellaofGA.com slash dog nation for more on that. So uh, I guess Ed Orgeron at his press conference, LSU is in the midst of its spring practice, much the same way that Georgia is, has talked about some productive, and I believe that was the word that Orgeron used, productive conversations that he's had with a Rick Gilbert. Now, it's one of those things on this show, we try to be careful about speculating too much, but one of the things that we did say a few weeks ago, and I felt comfortable saying this, of well, just given everything that's going on, you almost wonder if Gilbert just ends up going back to LSU. And it seems like on the basis of Orgeron's thing there, the door is open for him to do that. And here's the thing I want to be really, really clear about saying here for a moment. There's a lot of people who kind of want to look at this situation and say, oh, just too much drama from, from a Rick Gilbert. More drama for Rick Gilbert. I really think that is unfair. And, I, and by the way, I got no dog in this fight because it's obviously clear now Gilbert's not coming to Georgia. Um... But, you know, he went to LSU, wasn't happy there. Seems like he may have wanted to transfer. You know, maybe he kind of bought into kind of a bad sales pitch about, hey, come here to Florida, be the next Kyle Pitts, whatever else. But, you know, a lot of folks could potentially fall prey to that. You know, the folks down in Gainesville reported that he had some academic issues. And sometimes the easiest place to get that stuff cleared up is back at the school where you were before. Maybe it's not his perfect choice, but maybe for now it's at least his best choice. If all of this ends up with Gilbert back playing at LSU again, trying to make the most of his college experience, I don't think people should be ripping him online for doing that. I mean, you know, much the same way during his recruitment, a lot of the the hysteria around Gilbert was kind of, you know, created by people like me who just think he's a really good player and therefore have great curiosity about where he goes. But it's not like Gilbert's on social media talking about this stuff all the time. He's not doing, you know, Instagram lives one after another, kind of, you know, asking folks where they think he should go. He's just trying to figure all of that out. He was in the transfer portal and maybe now he's not going to go anywhere, but I don't, I don't think he should be criticized for that necessarily. And uh, if if anything, you know, my words ought to be taken as objective because I said before, I want him to come to Georgia. Now he's not, but I'm certainly not going to criticize him for, you know, the decisions that he has made, if that's indeed kind of what goes down. Uh, at LSU, a more significant issue than whatever happens to Rick Gilbert is some of the stuff related to, you know, legal proceedings, Title IX stuff that's going on. A lot of this related to former LSU running back Darius Guys. We haven't talked about this on the show all that much because, frankly, it's kind of confusing. There are new t- details every day. You know, Geis has been uh, accused of a number of things, including sexually assaulting a elderly lady. You know, come to find out, it sounds like, you know, uh, you know, she has also kind of gone to LSU in, in search of some, you know, monetary payment, which, uh, you know, she has, I guess, a right to pursue. But, you know, that story kind of takes more twists and turns. Uh, LSU employee is now, you know, suing um, the school for $50 million on the basis of what she felt like was retribution against her because she tried to bring some of these, you know, Title IX infractions to light. It is a lot to keep up with at LSU right now, and a lot of it certainly does not paint the uh, school in very good light. Of course, former LSU employees getting in trouble other places, you know, because what happened there, F. King Alexander was forced to resign as president of Oregon State. Uh, obviously, Les Miles out as Kansas coach. Jeff Long, the co- the athletic director that hired him at Kansas, he lost his job there as well. Up until now, we have not really seen a lot of people, you know, at LSU 
lose their job related to some of these, you know, sexual assault allegations and, you know, just kind of improper behavior allegations around that uh, organization, LSU Athletics. But uh, this story is kind of ongoing and continuing and probably worth paying a little bit of attention to. Uh, Another story here from the SEC, and this doesn't really have very much to do with football, to be honest with you, but I'm sort of fascinated by these SEC soap operas. So Darla Moore you may know as along with Condoleezza Rice, one of the first two female members at Augusta National Golf Club. Big time, high powered financier, I believe is the way that she's commonly described. She's also the biggest donor to the University of South Carolina, given more than $75 million to the school, not the athletic department. I don't believe she's much of a sports fan, but uh, given it to the uh, given it to the school. Well, she's also in a feud with the university. A lot of this, at least online and, you know, various media reports would suggest related to the hiring uh, a couple of years ago of the current university president. But her mother recently passed away and she has written a letter that's been obtained by the Charleston Post and Courier where she just excoriates. I believe that's the right word to use there. Just excoriates. um Uh, the university because they did not reach out to her upon the death of her mother and says essentially that she regrets every dollar she ever gave the University of South Carolina. So there is quite a soap opera going on on the academic side at South Carolina, and it's probably not great timing given the fact that the administration also looking at a new football coach. There was debate about whether Frank Martin should be removed as basketball coach and it's kind of a weird time there around the University of South Carolina, made even more weird by the person whose name is on the School of Business, who's given almost nine figures to the school, saying that she wished she had never given a dime to it, done anything to support the University of South Carolina. But that's a big story that's out there right now. And then finally, there's this. Caden Salter, four-star quarterback signing to, South, to the University of Tennessee, who is currently indefinitely suspended because of a role in, I guess, what's been described as a sort of a violent altercation on campus a few other football players were involved in that there as well they are also currently suspended from the Tennessee program Salter has gone on social media and apologized for his role in all of this I don't know if that's the first step towards kind of a return to you know active status for Salter within the Tennessee program but and I'm not you know making fun making light here but between Beasley who's suspended for accusations of animal cruelty the four players who were kind of involved in you know this situation there are a lot of players at Tennessee right now on a roster that was already thin I think you've got you know a good handful are also currently suspended there as well you got major roster issues at a Tennessee right now so um we'll follow that Salter has given an apology and we'll see if we'll see we'll see if that returns him to good graces there with Josh Heupel the new Vols program and for now we'll make that your SEC through as we get ready to wrap up here today, I, I don't have this to show you, and I apologize, but I, I want to give the a golden shoe today to, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, this may be our first time to ever say something nice here, uh, UCF coach uh, Gus Malzahn. Somebody said this to me on social media. So apparently UCF, you know, a lot of colleges put up billboards everywhere, and I wish I had this to show you. I just don't have it today. But a lot of colleges put up billboards all over the place. I guess in this particular case, UCF has put a billboard like right in Gainesville, Florida, that says something to the effect of 137 miles from from here, or however many miles it is, that a college football power is being built, and it shows Gus Malzahn as a coach there at UCF. Pretty good little, little level of trolling of Florida by, well, you know, generously call one of its in-state rivals in UCF. So Gus Malzahn will make you the uh, golden shooter, shoe winner here today. How about our Gator Hater countdown as we get ready to say goodbye to you? 206 days from right now, Georgia goes back to Jacksonville. We think they beat those lousy, stinking Gators. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. 
and on the podcast. Time now for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. Of course, you can find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. The R.S. stands for Rapid Service, and this is a great time of year to get that air conditioning system tuned back up as we head towards the spring. It's really been hot the last couple of days. They can get you back to factory fresh specs. Find them online at rsandrews.com. All right, don't forget, if you want to be a part of our podcast cool down, just simply drop me a line when we post the show at dognation.com, or you can also hit me up on Twitter at dognationdaily. You can do that there. Uh, at the official Ross on Twitter, asked me who's my starting offensive line, the starting five for the uh, Clemson game. That's a really good question. So let's assume for a moment that you're the same as always on the right side with McClendon and Schaefer there as your right tackle and your uh, right guard. What happens at center? And you know, look, Warren Erickson started a game before for Georgia, although not at center. He started the Sugar Bowl a couple of years ago. Do you slightly favor him over Cedric Von Prahn right now? I think that Von Prahn's likely playing at some point in time. But, um, you know, it certainly could be that, that you know, Erickson gets that nod near the beginning of the season there. I'd probably put it close between SVP and, and Erickson, but it might be that I would slightly lean in the direction of Erickson there on that front. And then, you know, let's assume for a moment that the experiment of hopefully finding a, a left tackle that allows you to move Jamari Sire to left guard takes place, and then, you, you know, you've got him there. So what happens there at left tackle? And this is one where, I think I said this to Conor Riley yesterday, no disrespect to Xavier Trust, but someone emerging other than Trust would seem to be good news, not because it means that Trust's not a good player, just because you'd have to, you know, really perform well during an offseason kind of surpass a guy that was given the nod to start at the um, at the left tackle spot in the bowl game a year ago. The fact that, that Trust did not really play well in that game, most people would say, does not really bother me all that much. Doesn't make me think that he couldn't be a uh, player. But, you know, you'd love the idea of one of these five-star guys like, a you know, a Broderick Jones or maybe, you know, just freshly arrived to the program, a Marius Mims being able to do that. But the fact that there's so little buzz right now about that exactly taking place, not to say that anyone said anything bad about Mims or Jones or anything like that, but the idea of, oh, my gosh, you can't keep this guy off the field. I don't know that you're quite hearing that at the moment. Um, you may eventually before the summer gets here. But as of now, thus far in spring, it seems like for now we're kind of unsettled on that. And so the longer you go with it kind of being kind of, a, you know, either not hearing much of anything or kind of hearing kind of mixed messages, the longer that goes, the more likely to me it seems like you may be kind of in a in a trust situation there. You also wonder if the guy who played there for much of last year and Jamari Salyer, if it's easier to find someone to play left guard. And so therefore Salyer at the beginning of the year ends up playing tackle against um, ends up playing tackle against, you know, Clemson. I guess there's a possibility on that there, too. So kind of a long answer to a short question. I'm going to assume the right side is what you expect it to be, Schaefer and McClendon. I'm going to look at the competition there at center, and I guess I'll slightly favor Warren Erickson there in that spot. And if we assume that they do move Salyer in there at left guard, I guess for now, Trust is still the most likely guy in that spot for me to begin the season simply because you haven't heard the kind of buzz on a Jones or a, or a, a you know, a, a, a mem somewhere like that that would lead you to believe that guy's really about to move ahead of, you know, someone like someone like Xavier Trust. So that, I think that's probably the issue there in related to all of that. But, you know, you, you do hear, you know, good things from Tate Ratledge, you know, things like that. So 
you know, these pieces, I believe, are going to move some during the year. But the, sp- the specific question, I think, was well worded in that. What do you think happens for Clemson? And my thought is that's probably a little more likely for the beginning of the year there uh, with Clemson. Um, by the way, our buddy Chip Gromlich weighs in on Twitter. We talked uh, yesterday, I guess it was during the video portion of our cool down about whether or not Georgia has a bass fishing team. You may be aware that Auburn's gotten in a little bit of trouble related to some COVID procedures with its bass fishing team. Our buddy Chip Gromlich weighs in to let us know that, yes, indeed, Georgia does have a bass fishing team. And we'd wondered on video if um, if Jake Fromm, I think, was on that team. I thought I remembered that he was. Chip says, indeed, he was. That was indeed the case there when it comes to all of that. All right, uh, so well, really good stuff here as part of our podcast, Cool Down. Thank you for being a part of that, weighing into me on Twitter and also in our comment section at dognation.com. Uh, thanks for being here. Really appreciate that. We will see all of you tomorrow. Make sure you check out R.S. Andrews. If you have an air conditioning, a heating, a plumbing, or electric need, you can find R.S. Andrews. They'll show up on time, do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. That's why story after story, they've been delivering smiles. Hope you all have a great day. I'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Look forward to talking to you then, everybody.